If you're a North Korean news aficionado like me, you probably came across the NK News website well before discovering the podcast. It's an incredible source that gets you behind the headlines to give you what's probably the most reliable and evidence-based news on North Korea. Every business day, you'll get between 5 to 10 articles that provide exclusive news, detailed analysis, and informed opinions. And guess what? Each week, they send you forward-looking week-ahead briefings and news alerts to keep you ahead of the curve. There's more. NK News members also get special reader-only benefits, access to exclusive events and online conferences, and perpetual access to our archive of podcasts. And here's the best part. You can get a $100 discount on your annual subscription with the code PODCAST. Redeem this podcast-only special today by visiting nknews.org discount. That's nknews.org discount. Listeners, and welcome to the NK News podcast. And I'm sitting here in the NK News studio with Chad O'Carroll. Chad, you look a little bit worn down. Uh, you've just come back from the week-long tour, North Korea from a distance, or seen from a distance. What's the correct title again? I always get it wrong. North Korea from a near distance. North Korea yeah. from a near distance. Okay. And I was lucky enough to be there for a couple of days towards the end along the East Coast there in Gosong. But uh, for those who uh, haven't yet been on the tour or looked through the uh, the website to see the itinerary. Tell us a little bit about the tour. Yeah, so it's the second time we've done it. Uh, we did it for the first time last uh, late September yeah. with Greg from Choreo Tours. And the goal is really to bring people who are interested in North Korea to South Korea and take them along the inter-Korean border pretty much everywhere you can reasonably go within nine or ten days. And I guess the key difference to some of the tours with um, maybe Korean companies here in Seoul or if you to go to North Korea is that we bring experts for portions of the tour, people who have lived in North Korea and as a result we're able to provide briefings on the bus, over dinner and we bring NK News journalists along and um, it's kind of like a cross between I guess an educational itinerary but also one that's I think we'll think quite fun and also combine some really interesting trips out of Seoul mm. to places many Koreans don't ever go to. So yeah. Right. You went to Yonpyeong Island over there on the West uh, the West Sea between Korea and China. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and, and someone was, found a hat there. Someone I think they found two hats there, North Korean hats that had swept in from uh, I guess nearby. And then that's a very lucky find, right? Normally, if you're yeah. beachcombing on Pyongyang-do or Yonpyeong-do, you just find some uh, North Korean trash, but more more likely Chinese trash. But uh, to actually find a a hat, that's a rare find. Well, there was a lot of North Korean trash there compared mm. to my last visit, and the hats, yeah, those those are things I've never seen before. One of them was definitely a military hat. Yeah, had a little heart sewn in into the in inside which mm. one guy i spoke to who used to live in north korea said that's probably uh sewn in by a girlfriend or wife right interesting little touch yeah um but i mean the main thing i'm glad about with the yonpyong trip is that we got back okay because someone who i was with yesterday told me that she went to yonpyong do in july mm -hmm. when the heavy rains are on and she got stuck there for three weeks because of the weather? Yeah. Three weeks? Three weeks. On Yonpyeongdo? No ferries in or out. You'd so. really get to know that island very well. It's not that big. 
Yeah, and then uh, two weeks stuck on Pingyongdo right after she said same thing. Oh, um, boy. Boats are ve- very uh, unreliable when the weather's bad. Luckily, the weather's been great recently here. It has been wonderful. Yeah, September, October is generally a pretty good time to do a, uh, a ferry trip out to one of those islands there. Yeah, and you also went to uh, to Chodron County uh, yep. with a friend of the podcast, Steve Tharp. Yeah. Hi, Steve, if you're listening. Yeah, I wasn't on that part, but I know Steve is great at informing people about what, what they're looking at in that neck of the woods. We went with him last year, was we it? Did, that's we right. did, we did a podcast, a yeah. I seem to remember. With Colonel G as well, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. so uh, that was great. Fun. What other experts did you have along on, on the trip this time? Andre Lankov came, mm-hmm. none other than Kenny's podcast host, Jacko Zvetslu, ah. came. Yep. Jongmin Kim came from our team. So did Anton, yep. Sokolin, Shres, Reddy, Joe from our team. Right. And then there was uh, yeah, Steve Tharp. Oh, there's a couple others. I can't remember whose name they were, but yeah. It was. And the tourists themselves was a really, really interesting and eclectic mix this time, wasn't it? Of people who, uh, who have long and abiding and very deep interests uh, yeah. in North Korea. These are not just your, uh, your typical punters on a... Uh, on a tour, but these are actual people who, who research it or who have been there lots of times without giving away their identities. Tell us a, a couple of interesting things about them. Oh, yeah. We had one uh, person who's an astronomer mm-hmm. or a, is, is, yeah, astronomer or astrologist. I can't remember the name. Astronomer and astrophysicist, I believe. Yeah, who has a very in-depth understanding, interest in, in the careers. That person added some, actually did a quick briefing for us mm. uh, when we were in Yonpyong and shared the history of astronomy-based cooperation with North Korea and also of North Korean scientific study and collaboration with foreign academic institutions. Very interesting stuff. Yep. We had a historian who's doing a PhD up in DC, mm-hmm. uh, gave us a briefing about her focus area, which was also really interesting about the role of children in North Korea. Right, um, and, and what makes a good child to yep. the North Korean state. Yep. Right. We had uh, a, a guy I know who's been to North, well, a few people that have been to North Korea multiple, multiple times. Yeah. Some of them, I think it was their first time doing South Korea. Yeah, so some people who I really resonated with in terms of like my own sort of story of how I got so interested in North Korea, like just going down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. you know, by watching YouTube videos, reading books. There's people, I mean, people that really knew their stuff. Like, yeah. So, and there was a retired U.S. State Department uh, diplomat with yep. significant experience in Yemen. And yep. I've actually encouraged him to write something, uh, to make a pitch to NK News to look at the Yemen example of unification and ultimately disunification through civil war uh, and, and what can be learned for that for the, the Korea case. Because everyone, yeah. everyone in Korea says, oh, yes, you know, you've got Germany and you've got uh, Vietnam. These are cases of unification that ultimately were successful. Well, you've also got Yemen. There's a counterexample, and very, very little has been written about that, uh, at least in English, comparing Yemen to Korea. So I think that could be uh, an interesting addition. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great group. Lots of fun. Mm. A bit too much karaoke, maybe at the end. We did like <laughs> three, I think, three or four sessions of Noribang in late into the night. Uh, my singing skills are not very good. You can hear my voice is a bit, um, yeah, a little bit raspy. A bit today, raspy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Yeah. Do you plan to do it again next year? Or will this be yeah. an annual thing? I hope so, yeah. Um, we need to collaborate on, uh, with Greg and figure out some new dates. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the itinerary is... like the, A lot of the work last year was designing the itinerary, but it's um, kind of turnkey now. And yep. 
Uh, we might need to switch up some of the experts, but yeah, it's it's ready to go again. And you know, a big a, what big topic of conversation during the trip was: is North Korea going to reopen for Western tourists or not? Yeah. And Andrei Lankov, uh, our regular uh, on the podcast, was uh, very pessimistic about this. Mm. I I spoke to some people that work in that North Korea travel industry and. Uh, one of them said that they're waiting to see, you know, what happens if it's not open for Westerners by next April. That will be a bad sign. There, but there were people that were very optimistic. Yeah, Greg seemed quite hopeful about the chances yeah, of, uh, yeah. of of Western tourists going in, perhaps even before Chinese tourists. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would you would you like to see a uh, a combined tour? You know, sort of uh, North and South Korea that includes the North Korea from a near distance, but as well as, you know, North Korean elements in North Korea too. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, but of course, with the way North Korea has been presenting South Korea recently, I can't mm. imagine there would be any easy way to do that. Just recall the football match the other day, they called them um, the, the, the puppets. puppets. Yeah. The, the new laws on South Korean cultural products and movie consumption. Um, just in general, the, the, the level of tension between the Yoon suk administration and uh, Kim Jong-un's system. I can't imagine they would be willing to support inter-Korean tourism initiatives at the moment. No, that's probably true. Yeah. I think you'd have to... So you'd have I to mean, do logistically, it. you'd have to run it as a North Korean tour first and then not mention to the North Korean partners that yeah. you'll be going to South Korea afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's all complicated. Mm. I just wish I wish things could be more straightforward with the careers, but sadly, um, I mean, seventy years plus of complexity is not going to get any easier just for us, is it? No, no, it keeps getting worse. Unfortunately, the you know it was yeah like ten ten years ago. I remember there was a New Zealand motorcyclist who oh gosh, um, yeah, it was a group of them, Gareth Morgan. It? Yeah, mm, I think uh, it was a YouTube video where crossed they crossed over from north to south across right. uh, Panmunjom, and then there was uh, obviously. Christine Arn and the uh, Women, um, Cross DMZ. Women Cross DMZ, they did yeah. it as well. Yeah. And I met a, uh, a Russian Korean who was part of a group of, uh, they called Koryoin, the Russian Koreans, who drove through Russia and then through North Korea and then were allowed across the demilitarized zone into South Korea. Yeah. That's an epic journey. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever talked Is about that. Is that the Gumball Rally? English. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a rally. It was simply a sort of a kind of a, a homecoming group for uh, okay. some Russian Koreans. I might try to encourage you to come on the show and tell us yeah. about that sometime. Yeah, I, I I don't know like if we'll see that kind of inter-Korean border crossing in the future. I hope so. I hope it'd be great if they started that yeah. again. I'm sure the diplomats in Seoul would appreciate it if they could go north in, and swerve China. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, and one of the interesting things I was talking about on the tour was, uh, you know, it, it must be every tour leader who works in North Korea on a tour guide. So the, the tour leaders are the Westerners who go in with, for example, Cordio Tours and YPT and, uh, uh, and other companies to work together with the North Korean guide. One of the greatest fears of any tour leader is that somebody may actually get injured or, or seriously sick. And particularly, as I found out, south of, well, around the Kaesong area. Because in Kaesong, the phones that uh, foreigners are allowed to have in North Korea, they don't pick up a signal. Mm. So that you can't call anyone at the, for example, the Friendship Hospital in Pyongyang and say, hey, we've got a guy with a broken leg here. And of course, in Kaesong, you're much closer to South Korea, but there's no way you could get a yeah. sick or injured person across the demilitarized zone into South Korea. So, yeah, so Kaesong remains a bit of a, 
a black hole in terms of telecommunications. Now, North Korean phones, you know, they have a different cellular network for the North Koreans. Their phones will work all over the country. Mm-hmm. But your foreigners who have phones, their SIM cards won't pick up a, uh, a, a tower. Uh, I actually got the North Korean, I did a network search yesterday when we were on at Kangwa Observatory or Kyodong Island as well. Ah. I managed to pick up Coriolink, but couldn't obviously join the network. Right. <laughs> Tried right. to get the iPhone to add it, but it just... That's the uh, the link still run by the Egyptian company Oroscom, isn't right, it? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it was. I, I was uh, lucky to see a couple of days of that tour and to get a chance to meet some of the tourists. Fascinating group. And yeah, I do hope it goes ahead again next year. To our listeners, we'll definitely be advertising the tour uh, next year if it does go ahead, and you'll find it on the uh, the NK News website as well. That's North Korea from a near distance. Uh, Chad, let's also quickly talk about a story that you did manage to find time. I don't know how, but you did write a story uh, during the tour on the uh, the possibility of North Korea of possibility of Hamas having used North Korean weapons mm-hmm. uh, in their attack on Israel in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I wrote this last Wednesday or Thursday. Um, basically, the Israeli Defense Forces did a, a, a media dump on Twitter of uh, pictures of uh, shells and other arms that they had seized from Hamas invaders, I guess. Yeah. And um, I mean, we weren't strictly the first to pick up, pick up on this, but we spoke to Yust Olimans, who is, uh, you've interviewed before yeah. uh, on the podcast, or, right. author of... Uh, a very excellent uh, book, very graphic, uh, lots of pictures in their book on the North Korean People's Army. Yeah, yeah, a very authoritative um, guide to North Korean military. And he said, yeah, that, that when you look at these p- pictures taken by the IDF, plus one by an uh, in- individual Ynet uh, Israeli journalist, mm-hmm. that there was one weapon there that looked highly likely manufactured by north korea which was the it's a rocket propelled grenade <coughs> or something yeah exactly exactly rpg7 mm-hmm. so north korea produces a wide range of these rocket propelled grenades for the rpg7 and there's this f7 variant it makes which has a red band around it like right. a, a red kind of colored band around the top that is a distinctive indicator that it's from north korea now we don't know 100 percent, mm. but there were photos of uh hamas uh, I guess military representatives also holding these on their shoulder, yep. coming from Hamas sourced propaganda, and that they also in, had that red band on them. Now, uh, North Korea has been quite strong and, and vociferous in its denial, saying that you know we uh, we didn't sell or give weapons to Hamas. Well, why do you think they're so strongly? Well, I mean, assuming that it isn't true, why would it bother North Korea to to be suspected of that? Well, they've been very vociferous against claims that they're exporting weapons to Russia, Ah, even as evidence has been building up on that front. And on this one, I think it's actually probably true that they have not been directly supplying Hamas. Mm -hmm. So they, there was a, you know, when you're reading North Korean state media, you've got foreign ministry statements, you've got Kim Jong Un, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole level. And the statement was published by a, like a a named columnist, hmm. uh, I think it was, but it wasn't it wasn't very high level. And this person really took issue um, with the claims, talking about fake media organizations, quasi experts hmm. spreading baseless rumors that North Korean weapons were were being used in Hamas's attack. Yeah, the the thing I guess that could be true is that I don't think North Korea is supplying these directly. What uh, used Oliman's told me when I spoke to him about this last week was that the weapons were likely... There's a lot of uh, vintage North Korean 
RPG munitions within the Middle Eastern area. They had a lot of clients. When you say vintage, you mean they've been making this stuff for years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is so, like, yeah, really old stuff. Yeah. And there were, there were, North Korea was transparently selling arms to many countries in the Middle East for a, a mm, long, long time. Syria, Iran. I don't mm. think they have any issues with that being named. Yeah, exactly. Egypt. And so, Egypt too. Yeah. Mm. So, used uh, Oliman's thought uh, it was very likely that these. Uh, munitions might have got might have gone to one of those countries first and then hamas right. acquired them mm-hmm. from one of those countries we, yeah, we know that hamas has ties with iran so it, mm-hmm. it, it's not easy sorry not difficult to imagine that north korea sold or traded these uh, uh red banded rpg projectiles to iran and then iran simply shipped them on to hamas that's not a, a difficult thing to imagine right i mean we're seeing the same thing happen in the Ukraine war, that weapons are ending up in the hands of the Ukrainians that have come from other sources. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's, you know, definitely possible. Yeah, it will, I think it's going to be very hard to prove one way or the other, but um, we should keep an eye out for more North Korean weapons uh, being used by Hamas. So one of the other types that they, they have, according to uh, Olimans and mm-hmm. his co-author Steen Mitzer, mm. the, the guys that wrote The Armed Forces of North Korea, Hello, Yost and Stein, <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, that, so um, Hamas apparently also has these Bullseye 2 anti-tank guided missiles. Mm. And uh, of course, you know, North Korea hosted a Palestinian ambassador or representative until just two years ago. In right, he Pyongyang. was there for over a decade, wasn't he? He was he there was, a long time. He was the dean of the diplomatic community. Right. And then when he left, it became the Syrian ambassador. So yeah, North Korea does have long ties with Palestine. Mm-hmm. And, and expressed support, I think, yeah. for... Palestine in the last week or two, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, one thing that's been interesting is South Korea picked up on Hamas's, uh, South Korea's defense minister used Hamas's attack on Israel to sort of warn South Koreans that we could face something a lot worse in South Korea if North Korea ever wanted to launch a surprise attack. Mm. In fact, he said that North Korea can fire up to 16,000 rounds in an hour from its multiple rocket launchers, which would would be a significant amount more than yeah. uh, what Hamas was doing. That's uh, according to Yang Ark from the Asan Institute, sort of the upper end of the, the of the estimations of North Korean capabilities. Yeah. But yeah, it, I thought this had been used a little. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I thought it was a little manipulative of him to to state this and then say this is why we need to disband the comprehensive military agreement with North ah. Korea because. It excessively restricts our reconnaissance capabilities near the border. I mean, I I really don't know if I don't think that having reconnaissance capabilities uh, within that area that was agreed would give you significant heads up on an incoming attack mm. of this scale. And he was also critical of Israel for not for their in- intel capabilities missing Hamas's wow. attack, which I also thought was a little unfair. I'm. I would guess, uh, and this could upset some people, that Israel has better intel capabilities than North Korea. Mm. So I think it was just a good sign of how... Right, better than North Korea or better than South Korea? Sorry, South Korea, yeah. yeah. Um, That's my feeling anyway. Okay, well, that's a a good place to leave it there. I'm thinking of uh, adding uh, the title quasi-expert to my LinkedIn profile. Do you think that's a good idea? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe used can as well, because I guess he's one of the the folks that they took issue with. But yeah, uh, interesting times. Let's just hope this Israel-Hamas situation doesn't blow up too much more and lead to uh, World War III in the Middle East. Uh, I Mm. I, I 
yeah there's it's some, very grim stuff it is yeah. um so all right listeners uh, stay with us because after this break i'll have a long interview with tatiana gabrosenko about media developments in north korea since the arrival of kim jong-un on the scene so i'll be listening to that yeah all right thanks chad thank you Attention, North Korea portfolio professionals. Are you in need of more than just sloppy and spotty South Korean news coverage on the DPRK? If so, I present to you NK Pro. Born from the established news-gathering reputation of NK News, NK Pro leverages staff experience and top-notch technology to provide subscribers with superior knowledge and tools to achieve their goals. Expect daily analysis, exclusive tools, and a suite of research tools that cover everything from North Korean state media to the whereabouts of DPRK vessels and aircraft. How cool is that? In a world where the landscape of North Korea seems unknowable to many, NK Pro cuts through the noise and provides you with the quality, reliability, and timeliness you need. Stay ahead, stay informed, and master the landscape with NK Pro. Trust me, it's a game changer. Interested? Visit nknews.org professionals to claim your free 30-day trial of NK Pro. Once again, that's nknews.org professionals. For this week's long interview, I'm joined in the studio by Dr. Tatiana Gabrosenko. Tatiana obtained her PhD in East Asian Studies at the Australian National University, and she's a professor of North Korean Studies at Korea University, and once taught me when I was a student at Korea University. She appeared on episodes 47 and 211 of this podcast, so if you're interested, you can go back and listen to them, where we talk about North Korean cultural production. Welcome back on the show, Tatiana. Hello. It's been a long time. So first of all, most of your academic work, you focus on North Korean literature, North Korean film, North Korean cultural production, but you also study North Korean media. Why is that? Because I think it, in North Korean context, this is inseparable entity. Uh, media is closely connected with culture, and culture is the part of the media. Uh, that's why I think it's to understand the trends, cultural trends, or trends in music, whatever, you have to understand the uh, media, of course, uh. Uh, the way which media moves. And in North Korea, culture, cultural work, be it films or lengthy novels or historical sagas, they all are part of media politics, media policy. Mm. Uh, so that's why I think I found it necessary to uh, follow these trends as well. Okay, now when we, when we talk about media in North Korea, obviously they, ha they have newspapers, they have some TV stations, some radio stations. Is there anything else? Am I missing anything? I think no, but the thing is, it's just the same where it was, but uh, so using the same common media tools, but uh, now they play more with the forms and new genres and the variety of programs, etc., yep. etc. Et yes, and of will. course, they also change focus from generation to generation, from decade to decade. They change focus onto uh, one tool to another one. If, for example, uh, during Kim Il-sung's time, propaganda was mostly text-focused, text-oriented mm -hmm. with uh, radio being only the additional and not very important part of this, not to say television, because television airing was very, very short. Uh, it touched only brief short periods of time, and of course there was no internet and uh, the other forms. Uh, now the next tendency 
under Kim Jong-il, uh, we see more focus on visual images such as films, artistic and documentary and fiction, etc., more on artistic forms, not just direct, uh, direct media, but the media in more creative forms, so to speak, but more visual, focus on me- visual images, on visual media, and also on audio media as well in terms of uh, new propaganda songs, new propaganda things, etc., etc. So uh, actually, if you trace the development of North Korean media or just the statements in North Korean leading newspapers such as Nodon Sunmun, you can see exactly the same trends, how they repeated in the works of art, etc. So, and now we see the new generation, the new turn, the new twist of media when, in addition to the previous uh, previous propaganda forms, now you see more focus on more pioneering, uh, pioneering trends, which are strongly influenced by comics or just comics, animations, or by internet mm-hmm. and social media of the West. Etc. Etc. And South Korea, of course. So that's what you see. But uh, what is interesting in North Korea? What makes this media situation a little bit atypical? Uh, because despite all these talks about revolution in North Korea, revolution is permanent in North Korea. As we mm. know, it never stops. Uh, but what is interesting? You never see a radical discard of the previous forms. So. Uh, now, for example, in today's uh, media, you see the forms which were similarly popular during Kim Jong-un's time, Kim, Kim Il-sung's time, ah. and Kim Jong-il's time. You don't see uh, the radical discard of this uh, forms of media. Uh, so, for example, some things, uh, some forms of propaganda, some forms of media are look ex- extremely outdated mm. and strange to the contemporary audience. For example, uh, now you see lots of books uh, which are published uh, in North Korea, books which uh, have in electronic format as well, not only in uh, paper form. Yep. Uh, so very big books about uh, work, uh, about activity of uh, Kim Jong-un. So something that you would not expect in today's world, in today's world, when you would expect from probably some forms of propaganda, of mm-hmm. propagation of the greatness of the leader, but you now see the same forms of mm. things augmented with the new modern forms which we see in Today's and uh, today's media with the, the short, brief uh, forms, etc. So the old forms coexist with the new forms. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in general, do, how much time do you spend each week looking at North Korean media? Actually, I try to do it every day. I try to do to look through the majority of materials every day. Uh, but the thing is that. Uh, many of this available media now repeat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, repeat one one each other. Uh, but and uh, still, re- uh, just the new information, the new materials, they do not uh, appear regularly. So you just have to hunt over just after the new things, after the new material. That's what I try to do. Uh-huh. And also the other. Uh, the, my other source, which I explore for about 10 years already, this is YouTube channels. Mm. Because in YouTube channels, you can find new and new and new and newer forms of North Korean propaganda, which are haunted 
of course, by censorship committee or whoever exists on yep. or on uh, YouTube, uh, they uh, they disappear, and the next uh, day they could pop up with the new forms, etc. So I try to do it on regular basis, practically every day or the day after, so something like this to search for something new. So Kim Jong Un's been in charge in North Korea for over eleven years now, and and as you mentioned, that the 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 broad broadly speaking, the same types of media that existed under his father and his grandfather still exist under Kim Jong-un, but with some some small trends or, or changes in trends, right? Not only with but with addition of the old of the new forms. That's important thing. Addition. Ah. It's it's just to say that the media became be, uh, become more versatile. And uh, the very amount is bigger than it existed before. Uh, so in addition to the old journals, uh, old uh, channels, etc., you have new and new forms. Uh, for example, you see the loan programs devoted to uh, some political issue, to some political agenda. But at the same time, you see very brief uh, TikTok style uh, or Instagram style uh, kind of uh, media. Is it uh, on television is, or the internet? Or on yes, in, on television. I they see. use this on tele on television. Of course, we do not know what uh, North Koreans show on the intranet, right. but you can find, you can guess, you can have some guesses of intranet when looking. Uh, at looking North Korean, uh, watching North Korean contemporary films, uh, they are normally short. The, mm. the films are shorter fiction. It's just about 25 minutes. Oh, they yeah. prefer to do it shorter. Uh, but during this uh, short film forms, you see how the characters play with intranet, and you can have a snitching look at yeah. what they actually watch, uh, what they're interested in. So you you can have some uh, some idea of uh, how what is the internet is. But overall, the materials which are available to us, they are of course on television, on television, mm -hmm. on on these forms. Yes, okay. these forms probably used between news pieces of news, etc., etc. Some of them, they are constructed as the columns kind of things, like CIPRO materials, for example, or the other forms which are uh, narrate about some issues, social issues, or about some people, propagate some people, or, or talk about some historical things, etc. So there are lots of them. Yeah, okay. I've got, some, them. I've got some questions to get into them, um, uh -huh. so uh, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Now, the North Korean newsreader, Ms. Ri Chun-hee, often dressed in a pink chogori, is a very familiar face and voice to people both inside and outside North Korea. Has the last decade seen new faces in North Korean media? Are there new rising stars in, in newsreading or uh, presenting TV programs? Yes, yes. Uh, they, and again, this policy of announcers, the po policy of media people in North Korea is just following this, this general policy of keeping the old things with the new one, mm. augmenting the old things with the new one. So that's what we see that, for example, Lee Chun-hee recently become uh, the character, the protagonist of one media report when the leader presented her, uh, just presented her a special a special, very spacious and very comfortable apartment in the new, very modern, very stylish houses mm -hmm. uh, in Pyongyang. And he not only 
gives this to her as a present, but he takes her by hand and he, uh, you know, he led her to this to this apartment, which was fully furnished and yeah. uh, showed her around, you know, like as, as if he is the, as if she is a guest. So this is very family style scene, which we saw because he acted like a good a grandson mm. who takes care of his grand, grandmother. But And actually, the news were that she actually quit her job now. She is retired, but which is not true because mm. we see we her face. Yeah. We still see her, especially at the moments when some important news are announced. But at the same time, we see the new, many new faces on North Korean, uh, on North Korean programs. Unfortunately, uh, in new reports, normally they don't they don't have the names of people. Ah. Uh, often they don't mention the names, but uh, these are very young, handsome faces. Uh, many of them are dressed in uh, new contemporary clothes, not in Choson Ot or Hanguk, mm. uh, so not, not Hanbok or Choson yeah. Ot. Uh, so they are dressed in uh, the new uh, the new fashionable clothes uh, in very bright colors. Uh, the bright colors are the a feature of uh, just special feature of Kim Jong-un's time because yeah. everything is so colorful around. Mm. Uh, so the way how the architecture is organized, how people dress, they use all this very pinkish, uh, mintish color, very bright one. Yeah. Uh, so they, but it's not only about their clothes, but about the manner how they present the materials. The materials become more natural. The voices are natural. Sometimes when they make mistakes, they do not correct it. Mm. Uh, sometimes you see this. And the same can be said about the people whom they interview. If in the previous North Korean uh, video materials, you could uh, see the people who uh, speak apparently Currently, some words which they learned by heart, speaking special intonation, which is easily recognizable with this uh, hole in at the end. Yes. Uh, so with the hands around and right. <laughs> something like this. Now you see very natural speaking people. Uh, they not uh, their faces are not photoshopped. Then their movements are not uh, often not corrected. They behave very naturally. They can make mistakes. Uh, their skin have imperfections. That's that's something very very natural feeling of that. Mm. But in addition to that, we see some uh, new film stars relatively new i'm saying about people who emerged in north korean in north korean um, film uh, filmmaking around kim jong-un's time uh, kim jong-un so a decade ago for example kanil sim kanil sim she was a star of a north korean uh, tv drama for kids about uh, the ex-football player a woman who become a coach of this local of the local team mm. boys team so Uh, she was Kanel Sim, her name was. But now, because probably they, they, in North Korea, you, they have fewer fiction films produ produced, Kanel Sim now occupies a very important role as the media person. So she is the announcer of some uh, program, such programs as uh, culinary shows, so travel logs, traveling uh -huh. around Korea, lots of lots of things which uh, which which we see. And in terms of Kanel Sim, one thing which uh, grasped my attention: uh, her facial features. I'm not saying that she's unpretty, <laughs> of course, uh, but her facial features are. Uh, lots like Japanese, uh, mm. like so. It's a sharp, 
quite big nose, which is a typical for Korean presenters, Korean. So she is and quite closely stood eyes, etc. So her face is again not to say that she is not pretty, but the, her you know her beauty standards are much closer to the Japanese mm. rather than to uh, North Korean. And the same yeah. can be said about the other uh, the other actresses who are popular now. They also have this big nose. Wow. <laughs> Just a typical a typical feature of uh, this a little bit alien style of yeah. uh, of the star but she is apparently very popular because she uh, she is not only announcing but she participating in programs etc mm. very fashionably dressed and perfect dress very slim again this is a new feature because North Korean for quite a long time women did not follow this trends of uh, extreme slimness right. but she her body is very small very Uh, yes, uh, she's very seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what we see. That's what I can say. So we see the variety of uh, the variety of announcers, the variety, just bigger variety of people than they existed before. And what about the way that Kim Jong Un and his family are portrayed and and presented in the media? Has that changed also? I also could say that they changed, but not to the big extent, but some details I found them important. For example, one thing is that if we compare Kim Jong-un's communication, the way how he communicates with people, if you compare this with how his father and grandfather portrayed normally, they carried very wild smile, probably not only to show their, their love to people or their satisfaction about things around, or uh, but just they carried this atmosphere of general happiness, mm-hmm. of harmony, everything is good, etc., etc. The new leader is different. In one terms, he does not scare of appearing in bad mood, for mm. example. Very yeah. often he can smile sometimes, he can hug, he can laugh, and sometimes he behaves in a very natural, uh, very, very natural way, uh, you know, when he pokes fun, when he uh, do this. But at the same time, media often show him as very unhappy. Mm. For example, a few years ago, I think it was in 2021, when North Korea had problems with with construction of the big hospital. And yeah. it was the problem uh, which were ascribed, at least explained, by some bad work of managers of the construction, of this construction site. And media uh, often show him as very unhappy, as the person who is, who is not nice, you know, he's not, who's not nice and people around are not nice. Also, the other thing, and uh, the same in the same situation, you can find him when, for example, there are some cases of bad harvest. For example, when the big har- back harvest and floods, and you see him very unhappy, very angry, frustrated, st- uh, stood at the edge of the field and very angry mm. at these people. So this is something which you could not imagine in previous North Korean, in previous North Korean portrayals of uh, the leader. But apart from that, his clothes, of course, his clothes has changed radically to what you see in his, with the case of his father and grandfather. He can wear suits, normal Western suits, like we see him with, for example, when he met with Putin, he yeah. wears a normal Western suit. But uh, in addition, he apparently likes a white color. Mm. White color, exactly like his wife, when, she, when, they, uh, when they appear together on the screen, they always are wearing white clothes. 
And I think this probably it's a far going, it's not just a personal taste, but probably some far going symbolism here because this Korean, uh, Korean attitude to white color, you yeah. know, it's a respectful, uh, very respected uh, attitude. The same can be said, for example, about him who is uh, riding, riding horses. Yeah. Horses are also white. white. Also bring us back to this revolutionary mythology of his grandfather, Kim uh, Jong-un, etc. So this is what we can say uh, about him. So this different color. Also, he often emerges in uh, some minor enterprises, you know, just minor businesses, for example, like socks, uh, just sock factory, Mm -hmm. or one of his uh, favorite, apparently favorite idea, probably something, his pet idea, it was Mendele, uh, Mendele notebooks, uh, which North Korean media made a big fuss of because they told about this Mendele. Uh, Mendele, it's a, f- uh, it's, a just, it's a flower, it's a flower, and uh, that was the notebooks made uh, for kids, mm. you know, for kids. So him visiting the factory during the its construction, then him visiting the factory when you know, when when he watches through uh, the materials which they produce, etc. Lots of lots of materials were uh, his was apparently his pet pro- product. Something which is which carries very personal light and a very funny and mm-hmm. nice and very human like image of the leader. Because yeah. why for why the leader of uh, the nation who the leader of the country uh, who is uh, scared of as the nuclear weapon mm-hmm. <laughs> nuclear weapon uh, source? Why he's so interested in this tiny little notebook or children's socks or mm. uh, him visiting the this very serious phase by the way when he visits Korean orphanages and tries uh, tries the seats on which kids sit or tries their backpacks etc it's tiny little things uh, but probably this is something which carries which has some positive hot warm uh, feeling to carries uh, carries good feeling to uh, North Korean audience. And certainly, there's been a lot of international and South Korean attention on Kim Jong Un portrayed as a family man. I mean, Kim Jong Il didn't appear with his wives or children in public, but Kim Jong Un is, um, you know, he's he's there with his wife. He's there sometimes with his sister, sometimes with his daughter, more frequently with his daughter. Do you see any? Um, any significance in that? I think, again, very often uh, we can explain that this is a special political game, etc. Probably it is a political game, but I found it that I, uh, that's that's how I explain the things. In North Korea, a leader doesn't have to prove anything to yeah. his nation. We have to remember one thing. So in some key, uh, in some aspect, we can say that the leader is very free. So he doesn't have to play with the spheres and uh, some sympathies because he's Sympathies, they are already won. So I can say that all the three North Korean leaders, they just wanted, they just did what they wanted. And if we see at Kim Jong-un, who was Kim Jong-il, his father, who was very well known as a womanizer leader, so the leader who's, who was always around beautiful actresses, etc., etc. Uh, so in North Korean propaganda, in North Korean media, it was very typical to see him around the girl-only uh, the girl-only military unit, for example, on Persimmon Union. Uh, that was a famous topic of North Korean media. 
so or him around uh, the female swimmers in the new swimming pool mm. when the girls wearing in tight swimming pool stand, uh, yeah. he's surrounded by pretty girls <laughs> like yeah. that. So this is something that he liked, I think. That's what. But you don't see him much around children. Probably he was not. And from what we know about him, uh, he was not very good father. Kim Jong Il. But this leader, what what is interesting, that the first steps of his of his promotion campaign or of his media images were always always they began with the image of children. Mm-hmm. That was really really interesting. That the first propaganda of him as the father of the nation emerged first in children's literature, in Heparagi, uh, Heparagi. So it's sunflower. It's a special cereal which is produced in North Korea by. It's just a choice to works uh, produced by children. So okay. children's literature produced by children. Yeah. And in these works, you see some poems or you see some short fiction, short, short stories devoted to our grandfather, Kim Jong-un. It was natural for the time because he was very young leader and you would not expect the older people who would call him this way. So it, it looked natural. And at first it looked like a political, wise political step. But it never stopped on that because his first his first propaganda widely propagated military uh, just media steps were always around uh, around children. Hmm. So, Kyun Son Yu Chuwon. So this uh, this is the uh, special special kindergarten for talented kids. Uh, not only this kindergarten was widely propagated in North Korea, but there were lots of works produced, works of fiction, TV serials produced, which were centered around this kids, talented kids, talented piano players, or uh, some talented, um, you know, talented young scientists, etc. So everything always around the kids. So I think that my suggestion is that he probably likes kids and we know him as a very doting father. Yeah. He loves his children. He is very into his children. And so that's why not only children became important part of his political agenda, but also one of his first steps were the changes in North Korean education system. So in making it closer to the to the education system in the other countries, in the Western world, etc. He he's apparently is more interested in kids. And the same can be said about light industry enterprises. Many of them were around new shoes, new backpacks, mm. new socks for kids, etc. I think he's just interested in that. Yeah. And so, of course, this is his personal, that's a case when his personal inclinations became a part of big media campaign, became the part of his big media images, etc., etc. Well, how is South Korea now uh, represented in North Korean media? Has that changed during Kim Jong-un's time as well? I would say yes. From what I can say that on the one hand, we see a less lesser usage of the word tonil, so unification. Mm. Uh, so and apparently North Korean media under Kim Jong-il, which was under the spell of the sunshine policy and the expectations were then, uh, now is just wait a little bit and we will unify it, we will be together. Uh, so only after we remove some bad special separate bad guys from our way, Korea will be uh, the same. Lots of very interesting works were devoted, uh, were written about that, etc. What can we see now? We see that North Korea seems to come in terms with the idea that unification is 
something to be very far mm. uh, from them. It's like heaven for Christians. Yeah. So you will be there one day, but when you don't know. Yeah. Uh, so this is the idea of heaven, Christian heaven. That's that's what it is. Mm. But in a real life attitude, it is the increased criticism. So, and though the official and North Korean presentation of South Korea tried to keep within one line. Uh, so we criticize the leaders, what we do not criticize people. Yeah. But sometimes, and this, it was quite the, the principle which was very strictly kept under Kim Jong-il, but not under Kim Jong-un, mm. because now apparently the makers of this new propaganda, they can't hold from the criticism of the regular people as well, because they understand, probably the understanding came that without support of the local population, Without support of people, you can't support the leaders. The leaders or uh, the managers of this society, they yeah. enjoy support. So, so this is something that they say. And that's why in the new uh, North Korean media materials related to South Korea, you see lots of criticism aimed at the mores of South Korean society mm. in general. For example, their preference to Konglish, so their preferences, lots of Korean comic uh, stand-ups, for example, they are devoted to the uh, words of South Korean language, which are very influenced by English. So the words which you do not understand, which a normal person would not understand. Ah, yes. <laughs> and very often the uh, characters, the judges of which language is good and which is not, uh, serve uh, them. Competitors, competitors of Korea living in Canada, for example, or yeah. in other countries, they come to North Korea, they understand every single ah. word. But when they come to South Korea, nothing is understood. It's, the language is so uh, different and the way how people dressed, how people, uh, the haircuts, etc. The morse is so, so bad. Hmm. And also the other part is that now they try to inspire still despite the fact that they understand the understanding is felt from this works that uh, south korean uh, leaders and south korean nation is have at least some points in common you know which they share also they try they keep the same policy of support of any social unrest in south korea so every time when they see any demonstrations or happen to come to know about any yeah. demonstrations they are they get very excited about this and they expect probably the expectations which they try to heat up it's the expectation of revolution of in South Korea the next day. There, mm. there were lots of talks about Still, Park Kune, wow. yes, Park Kune's, um, the, this uh, case with Park Kune, it was a typical case when uh, North Koreans expected that something will, the next day will uproot uh, all this vicious government and uh, they will join, to join us, rush to the bosom of the great leader. But it never happens, of course. Uh, but the funny thing is that how they, and that's actually this desire, this happiness, mm -hmm. in this joy in their voices when they inform about social unrest in North Korea and some disturbances, it's so visible. And I'm sure that it diminishes the efficiency of their propaganda. Yeah. Some of these messages are really, really funny. For example, during uh, just, I think it was, 
happened a few months ago, or probably the last year, I don't remember exactly. It was the case when in South Korea, during some, because of some accident, uh, there was the helicopter collapsed. Oh, yeah. Four people died. Mm. So this was, as we know, as people who live in, in the contemporary world, we know that it's a common thing, you know, just. Yeah. Things happened like that. Right. But North Korean propaganda, North Korean media were very happy. And they say that it's all because of this corruption in South Korean government. That's because of this lack of social order. So turn over your government <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. against your government. Wow. So it, it's, of course, it was a funny thing. And especially providing the language of this propaganda, because the language, the way how they call to helicopter, they call it Chuksungi, yes. which is North Korean word. Right. <laughs> lots of lots of messages like that. They do not reach South Korean audience because no, of yeah. this completely unrealistic expectations. I'm also interested in how uh, representations of the Korean War have changed in North Korea. Have you seen any any new developments there? You know, they tra- uh, I think that uh, the any mm, there were some trends in change, uh, just uh, trends uh, of changes uh, in this presentation happened first in 2012 uh, when they produced a film about Korean War, which was focused on the story of separated lovers. Separated lovers, a woman stayed in the in the north and the, uh, the man in the south, I think, or. And uh, then after all these years, uh, they met, they hugged, uh, but she died because of uh, some illness or something like this. So what we see in this film, uh, what makes this film very special? The film was uh, filled with this pacifist intonation that's uh, emphasizing that the war is unhappy occurrence. Uh, You know, the the war, it's about blood and victims and all all the separated separated families, etc., etc. It's not about this epic story of victory Mm. of our glorious leader over these vicious enemies like it used before. Uh, so the same idea was promoted in this song, which was issued in 2015 or 14. It was called Three Years of War. Interesting part of this change in narrative was, again, focused not on heroism, not mm-hmm. on the victory, not on this thing, but on all this blood and unhappiness, etc., etc. Again, this was very, very new because if we look at the way how North Korean narrative of Korean War formed, it can bring us back to 1950s when many famous writers, uh, they were punished for their war-phobic moods. That's how it was. But what we see now, it was a typical war-phobic mm. works because apparently after listening to this song or watching this film, you would not take the gun and begin to fight uh, wow. against the But the standards stopped very quickly. And there is the trend of North Korean media. You can't not be for sure that it will be permanent. Mm. Uh, so the the trend was curbed after 2015, and now you see some new, uh, some restoration of the new of the old norms. Again, very victorious mood, uh, happy mood, right. etc., etc. So no warphobic. So I think that uh, this is something that uh, you know North Korean culture. People, so those who make culture, they understood the danger of of such, uh, you know, scar, scar literature, scar attitude to yeah. to the things. Mm-hmm. Now, some people uh, in North Korea, especially in Pyongyang, they have money. You know, these are the the so-called uh, donju. Uh, they've become 
bit more consumerist over the years. Is this portrayed negatively in North Korean media? Yes, but these people actually what is interesting about North Korea because they try to downplay this image of these people completely. Uh, they try to downplay, but sometimes time to time you see some criticism over people who think too much about these material issues, but never in no work of today, in no just fiction or film, I could find the work of Tonju, uh, the, the image of Tonju ah. at all. You know, this, these people do not exist. The other part is, and apparently because North Koreans understand that probably uh, the public attitude to these people can't be positive, like it always happened. But North Korean media tried to keep this mood under control. And uh, one of the things which they learned very well, I think that's the that's the lesson of the post-Soviet Russia, when people were, many people were irritated by this active propagation of this Epicurean attitude to life, to this C materialism. consumption. Yes, all this consumption, so you can buy whatever you want mm -hmm. if, you, if you have money, etc. In North Korea, they promote consumerism uh, widely now, but mm. this consumerism is very, and uh, they also had some ads in North Korea. They have ads. Oh, but, on television? Uh, yes, on television, but they are a little bit, um, you know, a little bit hidden uh, as uh, the just information pieces. Uh -huh. They say uh, they say this information about some services yep. or a restaurant or whatever. Uh, but what is interesting about this consumerism, that consumerism keeps to be very socialist speaking. So it's very inclusive. Mm. So it means that they don't want to show, for example, that people, that uh, some product or some service needs some money. That's a very important thing. That's they, they don't emphasize how much it costs. Ah. Uh, and uh, the implications are that everybody can afford it. And when they portray the consumers, happy consumers of some restaurants or uh, some services or some products, yep. uh, they portray people of different status, of different generation, mm. of different, uh, different age, etc. And this makes North Korean case, North Korean propaganda, North Korean advertising very, very special. So apparently they are scared of get rid of all this, of all this uh, socialist rhetoric, of the socialist propaganda, uh, so and turn to completely jump, to completely embrace the capitalism fully. They do not embrace it, apparently. Mm. The other thing is that their advertising doesn't exploit human vices, so to speak. Oh. So uh, they, for example, they, they never show when they show some product, when they tasty, some tasty food, they never show a person who would enjoy it by himself. You can always only, you see, for example, a grandmother who buys this to her children, yeah. to her grandchildren or the husband and wife who enjoy some food together, or the group of uh, students or the group of workers, etc. It's not very common people, uh, very inclusive kind, of, inclusive kind of propaganda, no idea of individualism, uh, no idea of greed, no idea of capitalism at all. Wow. Capitalism is still a very bad word. Hmm. So that's important thing. Advertising without capitalism, that's very interesting. Yes, yes. So far, we've talked only about uh, or mainly about North Korea's internal media, so messaging aimed at its own people. But North Korea has external media too, a propaganda aimed at foreigners in China and in, in other countries in English, and propaganda also aimed specifically at South Koreans and Koreans in the wider global diaspora. 
So can you tell us something about propaganda aimed firstly at non-Koreans? What changes have you seen in external-facing propaganda aimed at non-Koreans? Non-Koreans in North Korea, they are not a, a significant part of today's uh, of today's propaganda. Uh, the only cases, uh, the, the only cases, the only uh, media which are aimed at foreigners is still uh, some Korea Today, the journals like Korea Today or uh, some foreign trade or the other journals in English. But they still consist of very dense texts, mm. and uh, though they can uh, they contain more uh, pictures, but still the dense test, uh, texts they d- they don't have any special messages aimed at specifically non-Korean audiences, just mm. for foreigners and general foreigners yeah. are the objects. But we do see uh, videos on on YouTube in English, and and even some in Russian, and some videos on on the Chinese version of YouTube in in Chinese aimed at that audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they portray, but normally they they include foreigners in uh, some, for example, again, some consumerist kind of mess, uh, consumerist kind of media materials. For example, uh, typical were the uh, images of the foreigners who enjoy Masikrion Resort, mm-hmm. or some foreign kids who go to Sodonwon, uh, you know, summer camp and enjoy life here. So most of them are Russians, I, su- I, su- yeah. I suspect. Uh, yes, so uh, this is uh, this is the image, uh, the image of foreigners who enjoy something that Korea, uh, that Korea presents to them. Uh, so that that's what it is. No, not much. It's they're no not a focus group, not a target audience of there. But uh, the for, uh, most propaganda aimed at foreigners, it's still aimed Koreans. I think it's Koreans because the idea still is that Korea will unify one day mm-hmm. under the auspices of North Korea. And so the, this foreign competitors, they're welcome to, uh, to join this future heaven of <laughs> Korean, Korean sonors. Uh, so they portray themselves as a still socialist country, mm-hmm. still socialist country, but with the, uh, so which implies free medical service, free and good 12-year education. People who also, the idea which they consistently emphasize, the idea of collectivism, and love and care for every member of the society. One of the issues which they include apparently with having in mind a foreign audience, it was the idea of extremely humane uh, treatment of people with disabilities. Ah, And that was the issue which uh, North Koreans promoted uh, since 1990s. But uh, now you see uh, that uh, this part of North Korean media expanded because if before you could see only people whose disability were related to some accidents during military services, so Yonia Kunin or disabled veterans, now you see uh, this uh, media also include the people who uh, have inborn disabilities, mm. who have uh, disabilities due to some accidents production mm. or some, for example, some girl who one of the recent things which came to, you know, which uh, I found, they were the woman who jumped from parachute, uh, just parachute jumper, and she received some disability due to that. And so this is in propaganda aimed at foreigners or aimed it's at also, Koreans? It's also aimed at foreigners. Okay. So all these ideas, they uh, they promoted to the foreigners as mm. well. So how, how happy they are. And uh, one of the recent uh, radio plays portrayed as Tonri uh, Meari, so the echo of unification, that, that is the channel. Right. 
that's a uh, that's the name of a YouTube channel and a website. Am I right? I think yes. I I have it as a special uh, as a special video videos uh-huh. as the channel. They yeah. they have special channel for that. So this uh, they uh, one of the radio plays uh, recent radio plays were about the f- uh, the foreign compatriots came from Canada who uh, visit North Korea and the thing which they found very surprising is the marriage between a disabled uh, person and uh, the was uh, and the healthy girl yeah it's always a disabled man and a healthy woman isn't it no no it's no? it's always in north korea it's very balanced uh, balanced it? image oh, yes okay. it's always it's in this case this is the man mm-hmm. who's disabled and the girl who is not right but very very often it's it's very balanced gender mm, okay. balanced picture hmm. Yes, yeah, so the girls who are disabled, they also are entitled to some care and mm. happy fa- family life. Okay, you just mentioned Tongire uh, Meori, and there's also Nenara uh, and Chosone uh, Onel, and uh, of course the very famous one, Uri Minjokiri, that we, we sometimes write about them here at NK News. And then there are, uh, we mentioned already, YouTube channels, there's, but the North Korea is active on Flickr, on Twitter, on the Chinese Yoku, and Instagram. So they really have a lot of channels to present information to Koreans. And how successful or unsuccessful are these attempts to reach South Koreans and the Korean diaspora? You know, this I, I can't answer this to you 100% mm-hmm. because uh, to me, this propaganda looked quite funny mm. because it demonstrates lots of misunderstanding and lots of lacuna in knowledge about the life around. Lacuna, not only the life of understanding of life in North, in South Korea, uh, but also in the world around, because some of the wonder things which they are proud of themselves, uh, they exist in the other countries, and they're very nonchalant uh, things. It's it's nothing special. Uh, so this lacuna exists. But again, this is this is my opinion. I don't have statistics about this, but uh, what I found myself was the big. S- which was the big surprise to me that I found that some propaganda, some media, which I personally found very funny and improbable and unpersuasive, uh, some some things uh, were met very differently by South Korean audience. Mm. What, for example, is it based on the comments under the YouTube? No, not no? yes, comments on YouTube again. They're not very. Uh, they're not very objective because we don't know who no, we don't. <laughs> who wrote it, uh, who wrote it. But I noticed this when I communicate with my South Korean students or the other people or my colleagues. Sometimes I found uh, that they uh, that they find some deeper things mm. or some attractions in North Korean media. Mm. Some fa- some messages they found very interesting or attractive, appealing. So, But does that difficult. mean that they want to unify with North Korea immediately? or No, just no, no, no. They, yeah. they just say that this is all I would like to live in a society like that. Ah. It's, it's one a li- mm. something like that. I, so I hear some it sometimes. Wow. Yes, of course, I do not know what is inside a person's mind, mm-hmm. but still the idea that people do not laugh loudly yeah. at all these things, but they listen carefully mm-hmm. and they are touched by that. Uh, that was the idea which I encountered first many years ago when in 1980s I listened to Kot Panantonio, so the flower ah, selling yes. girl yep. in Bolshoi Theater in Moscow. And that was my favorite story because to me it looked like completely funny, completely funny ah. performance, which which is such a kitsch, which is such a... But people around, most of whom were 
Soviet Koreans, they yep. all cried. Mm. And apparently I understand that I misunderstood something. Right. Yes, yeah, so this is difficult to understand uh, whether it can reach uh, the people's heart or not. Do people believe in that or not? It's difficult to say. But at least what I can say, I see that many uh, North Korean efforts, uh, propaganda efforts, they are diminished by this lacuna of knowledge of in South in life of South Korea. For example, one of uh, the radio radio play recently uh, telling us about South Korean mother who gave birth to twins mm-hmm. and she killed her children to to children because she could not have enough money to invite doctor to their feverish child. Oh. So because she saw, and between when she was thinking about what to do with these kids, yeah. she complained to her mother and her mother said, her mother is South Korean. Yeah. Her mother said, oh, but you're not in North Korea where everything is free. Ah, yes. when this. So this this is such an obvious propaganda. Yeah. So it, you don't need any any deep knowledge, but you you understand that it, it it's really really funny, and of course it's a big misunderstanding that this m- medical services in mm. South Korea and they're not hopeless at all. It's no. not it's not USA. It's it's good service. <laughs> Uh, so and of course, if, even if you don't, if you can't invite kids to your feverish child, you can bring the child to this closest, yeah. uh, closest doctor, etc. So all these things they demonstrate lack of knowledge. But North Koreans are improving. That's what I want to say. To ah. say that because they, what we can say that despite the fact that the majority of the population are prohibited, uh, they just have this uh, iron curtain between them and the world outside. They can't watch uh, videos uh, on YouTube, etc. People who are involved in making this silly uh, radio plays, they know the things. And so uh, that's why the topics of criticism of South Korea mostly coincide with what South Koreans tell about themselves. Mm-hmm. And many of this, um, many of these motifs are quite realistic and uh, coincide with what South Koreans criticize in their own society. So you would say that despite uh, the obvious gaps in their knowledge and, and their lacunae and their awareness of the outside world, actually propaganda and North Korean media it has learned from past mistakes and it's more media savvy now under yes, Kim Jong-un. Yes, sure, sure, sure. They continue to do this all mm. the time. They work it and apparently they're tracing over the reaction of the world. That's that's it com- completely, under, uh, it's completely clear. For example, at first when you see the photos of Kim Jong-un mm-hmm. in uh, in Shin Moon, you would see some of them are very funny. Some of them are very funny when he was portrayed as sitting at a squatting on this edge of the field as if making a poo or something like this. Lots of lots of memes were, uh, you know, were spread all over Internet, etc. Or uh, how he's just greedily looking at uh, at some cookies mm-hmm. uh, make uh, made for. Uh, so and again, lots of memes. Apparently, all these memes, all these jokes uh, of the world, they're traced carefully by North Korean mm. media uh, makers, media people who are involved in media politics. And I understood, for example, that some of them disappear completely. So oh, apparently... The people after, do or the, or the, not, or the pictures yes, do? Yes, they, they, not, not people disappear. I mean, just this policy changed. And so the pictures like that, ah, they continue. There were some flush of yep. uh, the silly photos of him standing around the mushrooms, for example, yep. with a silly smile. So all these photos were 
widely spread on internet, mm-hmm. making people were making fun, etc. Yeah. So, but you see that after a while, you don't see these photos anymore. You see that he is apparently the photograph, uh, the photographer. He, I don't know if he was punished or not, but anyway, the works like that do not disappear, uh, do, do not appear anymore. anymore apparently, right. they learn from that. Yeah. They learn from his, from their own mistakes, and the other stuff uh, as well. So you you could see that some. Unhappy, um, some unsuccessful media steps of North Korea, they are curbed and they change, uh, they, uh, they change the trend. So there, there must be somewhere in North Korea, probably in Pyongyang, there must be several hundred North Korean people who, are, who have access to global media, global internet, YouTube, Twitter, memes, blogs, looking at these things, tracing these things, learning from it and you know, using it to modify... North Korea's propaganda messages, right? That that must be a group of people who are very trusted or very, very carefully monitored, I guess. Yes, I think it's both uh, trusted and monitored, but there is a second, uh, the third part, ah. they're very well paid. That's important thing, ah. that people who are involved in media making in North Korea, they are elite of elite. It's creme de la creme of North Korean society. And my own experience of communicating with some people, of some journalists in North Korea, my own opinion was very high on mm. them. They're very educated people. They're very, very well-looking, very well-mannered. They're just like diplomats, you know, that's, that's in the best in the best part. So this is the thing. And another thing is that this is not the idea of this trust, uh, trusty people to be exposed to this foreign, uh, to the foreign media. It's not new in North Korea. It's not a part which began only in Kim Jong Un's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at uh, the way how media was made in under Kim Kim Il Sung, we already saw this. You know the same tendencies. For example, if you would be an author of North Korean historical saga, for example, uh, or some historical text about something, you uh, have an opportunity to visit archives. You yeah. can there, but you have the opportunity to uh, see the foreign, uh, the foreign uh, media, and that's why, for example, uh, some people were so informed about uh, this situation with kidnapping of Kim Dae-jun or something mm. like that. They have little, tiny little, tiny little details all are reproduced here. Apparently, they know a lot about this because they are exposed uh, exposed to them. They have uh, some access to these materials, factual mm. materials. So they don't lie about this. Yeah. They, they just... And apparently, this is the practice which is kept since that time. Uh, that's make uh, North Korean, um, you know, this participation in North Korean media a very lucrative job, which people, uh, which people dream about, mm-hmm. uh, which people, and of course, very few of them will corrupt this, uh, you know, this trust, etc., etc. Because yeah. what else would you wish? You know, you are king of your right. own society. We don't see many of them defecting uh, exactly, to South Korea. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, so, last question. So, try to bring this all back to broader North Korean cultural production. The me- what? What do we learn from how the media has changed under Kim Jong Un and? and what can we say about the future of Korean North Korean cultural production? I think that they are developing. They are, you know, they are not as close from the world. It's it's it may be a rogue state. It may be, you know, this uh, this isolation isolated society. But this society is not as isolated isolated as we can imagine. Mm. That what we can uh, I see now the trends of North Korean media. They are 
changing as quickly, almost as quickly as the trends of today's media. When, for example, a few years ago, you could, uh, you could see some media pieces uh, lasted for five minutes. Now it's just two minutes or one minute. It's just shorter and shorter and more dynamic and more colorful. And all these uh, things are used, uh, you know, they, they're using all these techniques. And of course, the media production as well, if you see uh, North Korean, look at North Korean contemporary, uh, just today's made uh, TV serials, you see that many of them carry strong, carry strong approximation, resemblance with uh, South Korean, mm. South Korean motifs, South Korean ways of prod- production. You see them, how all the things are learned by, etc. So they are learners, they are ready to learn, they are quickly to learn, but it doesn't mean that at the same time they do not intend to discard the ideology to discard the political system, etc. Everything is uh, all these formal changes, all these formal things. They intend to support the uh, the system to make it more stable, more attractive, more aesthetically appealing, etc. So that's what I can say. There is no political liberalization, but mm. lots of liberalization, lots of new uh, renovations of uh, the facade of North Korean, uh, North Korean media, North Korean culture. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming again on the podcast today, Tatiana Gabrosenko. We hope you'll come again and tell us more about changing uh, North Korean culture and media. Good, thank you. Let me ask you this. You're listening to the NK News podcast, so you know more about North Korea than most. But how about the South? To really understand what's happening on the peninsula, you need to know about South Korea. And now you can through our new Korea Pro News and Analysis Service. This is not your average news service. It's a thoroughly researched analysis of South Korea's politics, society, and economy from an international perspective. But you know what the cherry on top is? The absolute lack of commercial influences. No ads, no sponsored articles. It's just pure, objective analysis by a team of qualified specialists. And the best part? As a listener of this podcast, you get a 25% discount. All you have to do is use the coupon code PODCAST during your sign-up. So head over to careerpro.org podcast and start your journey with CareerPro. That's careerpro.org podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our podcast episode for today. Our thanks go to Brian Betts and Alana Hill for facilitating this episode. And to our post-recording producer genius, Gabby Magnuson, who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, and fixes the audio levels. Thank you, and listen again next time. <laughs>